your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. I have a real good friend who's on tonight. They work for The Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, authors G. James, Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solo Research Institute. Kathy Burns is a clinical nurse specialist at the Department of James Professional Practice, and she's got a whole lot of little acronyms behind her name, <laughs> which, we'll learn, which we'll learn more about as we go through this interview. And I also have with me as my co-host, Mr. Ernest Kelly. Ernie, how you doing there? Oh, uh, good. Welcome, Kathy. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Ernie. Okay. Well, Kathy, we're going to start out with, if you don't mind, telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself. So I've been a nurse for 27 years, and uh, approximately about 21 of those years, I have been in multiple sectors of the uh, healthcare arena, primarily emergency medicine and um, oncology. So about in 2014, I was a nurse in what at the time at the James we called the intermediate care unit. Actually, let me back up. It was 2011 I started there. And that's when I started taking care of sickle cell patients. So that's how my career started. In the ED, I've always taken care of sickle cell patients as well. So when I was a nurse, I became uh, very close to many patients, became a strong advocate. I also have some personal drive for uh, my advocacy and my determination to help the sickle cell community. But as far as my career, I end up with a nurse, had a bachelor degree at the time, and I decided that I wanted to be an advanced practice nurse, and I didn't wasn't sure what track I wanted to be. And what I mean by that, in the state of Ohio, an advanced practice nurse falls under four different categories. One is a nurse midwife. One is a nurse practitioner, which is most famously known, I think. One is a uh, nurse anesthetist, and then there's the clinical nurse specialist. And we're a little different than the other three in the sense that in the state of Ohio, we can practice and prescribe like uh, in clinics and inpatient, but only 19 states in the United States allow clinical nurse specialists to do that. So what we're used to doing primarily is working with healthcare guidelines, policy, nursing practice, proving quality outcomes, proving quality of life for patient population, working in certain settings. So at the James, that's what my uh, license allows me to do. So uh, some of my title, uh, titles behind my name is, one is MS is my master degree that you have to have to be advanced practice nurse in the state of Ohio. And then my uh, other uh, letters uh, define my license, my license as a clinical nurse specialist. So um, I completed my program back in 2014, and it wasn't really easy to get a job. And I applied multiple, I didn't want to leave Ohio State. And it was like late 2015, I got a phone call um, from a friend who was a CNS and said, hey, the, uh, there's a benign heme clinical nurse specialist job opening, and you'll be taking care of the sickle cell uh, popula- uh, population as well. So I said, absolutely, and I applied. So I'll back up a little bit, because um, I know one thing uh, I have to make sure nurses 
understand is like hematology is the science and study of blood. It consists of multiple branches. So any blood disorder, it'd be benign, which means like bleeding disorders, hemophilia, sickle cell anemia, von Willebrand, fall under a branch of benign heme. Then other hematology disorders can follow under a malignancy. So when people think of a hematologist, a lot of times they think oncology, but really a hematologist has a vast variety of experiences in education. So at the James, our hematologist specializes in a lot of things, blood disorders, sickle cell anemia, hemophilia. So that falls under the branch of benign heme. So I specifically as the ACNS work with benign heme team. And again, my my goals with them is as a team, everything's as a team. What do they need as a team to improve care? What do they need what do they need as a team to um on education? And my primary focus, I work with uh, a lot of disciplinaries. I work with pharmacy, quality management, um the advanced practice nurses, the, the NPs and physician assistants. But my primary focus is really driven towards nursing and nursing practice. And that's very special and specific to the James Cancer Hospital. Because again, as a clinical nurse specialist, we have like nine different competencies, multiple different skills uh, in the state of Ohio. So uh, a CNS at a dinner facility might not operate like I do. Um, but we have a very unique position at the James to where we focus on care of population system and nursing and families. Do you work exclusively with sickle cell patients? And uh, how many sickle cell associations are you a, a member of? I, I saw you look like it was a long yeah. list that you were a member of. <laughs> so, um I, I don't work just with just sickle cell specific. Since I'm a dying heme, I work with uh, multiple other um, disease lines. But I will say, I think most people would agree who know me at the James, I'm most well known for my work with sickle cell disease. Um, yeah, because Ernie, you're right. I am involved in quite a bit of different uh, communities, services, and things outside my role. So, for example, um, one of my favorite things ever that I'm involved in is an organization called um, International Association of Sickle Cell Nurses and Professional Associates. We nickname it um, Ice Canapa, and it's a nonprofit professional organization um, consisting of health experts that interface between the healthcare and academia systems in the sickle cell community. So, with that organization right now, I am doing a project. Um, we have design education specifically for uh, inpatient nurses taking care of sickle cell disease. And how we set it up is my uh, expertise is definitely adults um, my whole life. I don't have children, so uh, they kind of scare me a little bit. So adults <laughs> are my thing. <laughs> adults are my thing. But um, these wonderful women that I've had the opportunity to work with for the last almost two years, developing this education, uh, pushed me outside my comfort zone, and they're like, we're going to give you the teenagers to a young adult. So that was an amazing experience to work with all of them and really learn more about the pediatric teenager and young adult setting. 
So I developed a four-module curriculum basically on the care or care of sickle cell patients from the teenage to the young adult ages for nurses. Um, we have completed the content of that work. Now it's going through experts to kind of make sure I didn't miss it. We didn't miss anything, but um, we were hoping to have that all out by August of this year. But unfortunately, uh, with delays with COVID and stuff, we were supposed to meet actually tomorrow <laughs> for about three days to kind of pull everything together. And I worked with some amazing, innovative women, and they are going to do what they're calling a simulation lab. So we were supposed to meet in Memphis, Tennessee this uh, week and put together three modules. Uh, one, the module I was working on was uh, pain crisis and sickle cell disease. And then the other mo module was acute chest. And I'm sorry, the third module, I do not remember what that one was. I think it might have been um, uh, apheresis. But, and then after we complete this wonderful project, they've kind of got me psyched up for a second project. And our second project, we hope to be able to take this education and design further education that we need in order to get a sickle cell disease certification for nursing through the American Nurse Association. That would be great. Yeah. Because there's so much misunderstanding about sickle cell patients and their care, and that would help, I'm sure, a whole lot. Could you tell us a little bit about acute chest yes. And also with acute chest syndrome, when I first came to uh, in my role, what I did was the nursing survey and see what knowledge that nurses needed in order to take care of sickle cell disease. And when you do that, you do the survey. Plus, so big thing about my role is you have to have data. You have to have proof that there's a situation, and then you have to have proof of a solution. So that's the big thing that defines my role, I think. So when I came in, I did a survey, and um, acute test is, you know, one of the leading causes of mortality in sickle cell disease. So that's very important for nurses to understand. And what, and another big thing about acute test is when um, research has shown, you know, when a patient has entered the hospital system, they could develop it in two to three days. And it, and some of the preventive measures would be making sure they have an insensometer in their room and they know how to use it properly. And if an incident, sometimes, you know, it's hard for patients to use incentives because it can be discomforting. So we worked, I worked with respiratory therapy and learned all kinds of nice techniques and fun little toys that you can bring in and help people learn to breathe. So the respiratory therapist came and did a lot of in-services. They worked with me and the team in order to show the patients if they needed something other than an incentives we made some patient education breathing exercises um, that we can hand out to the patient. But acute tests, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just like pneumonia. Then I like to say, well, then why is it called acute test then? So the big answer to that is acute test can be caused by multiple different uh, viruses, just like pneumonia. But what makes it unique, as I explained to nurses, what makes it unique is it could be caused by other things such as a fat emboli. So it is treated the same as pneumonia would be as far as the IV therapy treatment regimen. But I like to make sure nurses understand that there's a difference that of the causes of acute chest and that preventive measure coming into the hospital is our best line and then um, recognizing the signs and the symptoms as well. And could you share us a little bit um, about the pain management as a nurse that you see with sickle yeah. cell patients? 
Yeah, so pain management and uh, with nursing, nurses are used to giving pain medication and oncology patients many times may need pain regimen too. But with sickle cell, it's very unique for them to understand why, what the medication is for. So the most important thing for nurses to understand when it comes to pain medication is the pain medication is not curing the problem, right? That we're still having those sickle cells that are backing up and they're causing inflammation. And what is that inflammation doing? So there's a multitude of things going on in the body. And the pain medication is just easing that up for the patient, but it's not taking away of what's causing it. And a lot of times nurses uh, get apprehensive because of opioid sedation, opioid naive, being, patients being opioid naive. So they get really nervous on how much medication they give patients. So a big role I have in that is having nurses understand exactly what opioids are for, how they work in the body, and why patients may be on higher doses. Um, understanding that it's not always about being addiction or opioid uh, use disorder, that it's truly how the medication is broken down, how the medication is used, and how it's been used over a period of time, and getting them to understand and recognize not to be fearing giving that medication. Because a lot of times they fear, well, if I get this much, like, what if I make them too sleepy and things like that? Be really getting them to understand um, pain regimens. And what I mean by that is um, the hematologist usually puts a pain regimen of what the patient should get based on what they take at home and based on what works for them when they go into a vasoclusive crisis. So then the nurses will administer those pain medications. So they have to understand how that's given. They have to understand what happens um, if a dose is missed. They have to understand the signs and symptoms of withdrawal, and they have to understand um, the needs of the patient and that the patient knows their pain better than anybody. And also a big thing I like to put in with pain management too is the adjacent therapies. Like a lot of our patients uh, love aromatherapies, um, guided imaging. So there's also uh, heat, heat uh, pads, heated blankets, um, things like that, that kind of working with the patient on how we get them comfortable as far as positioning. Um, and really knowing what works for them. Sometimes distraction, it could be a video game. So uh, different things that will help them and what works for them in their home environment and how we can bring that into the hospital environment to make them comfortable. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. In your email, you said, um, you know, the skills and expertise to identify gaps in the healthcare delivery. I guess mm -hmm. my question, one, one of the questions I, I have is the, the interaction with the nurses. Is that what you mean by that statement there? And also how receptive are nurses uh, to your suggestions and instructions on on what you were describing. Well, um, so the first question, if I understand correctly, please let me know. Um, so far as like gaps in practice, for for example, when I first came, the nurses on the floor, um, the James 
had the new building like in 2014. I came like late 2015, early 2016. And what I did to find the gaps in practice, I did a survey. So I did a survey of like 10 questions asking them about sickle cell, specifically just about sickle cell patients and the care of sickle cell patients. Um, I got like, at the time there were 52 nurses on the floor and I think I ended up with like 45 responses. So I had a high number of responses at the time that gave me an idea of where they felt, what knowledge they felt they needed to know. Um, so I used that information. And then the second thing I did was I spent three weeks with them um, and I just put my scrubs on and I walked with them went into the patient's room with them and kind of get an understanding, a flow of what they were thinking, what their perception was, and what they may need to take care of the sickle cell patient. So it's called an observational survey. The word study kind of makes it sound fancy, and it's not really what I did. I just kind of took the observational information and I kind of put it into some tables, and then I took the survey and put it into some tables, and then I broke that down, of course, working with multiple other people um, of where do we think that we needed to start. So in the beginning, I will admit, yeah, I had some barriers and challenges. So what I did as a clinical nurse specialist is how did I have to meet those barriers and challenges. And the biggest thing that was, was relationships. I'd already taken care of uh, a lot of the patients for about almost four years um, in, in an infusion area that we had at the, what we keep saying, the old James. Um, so I already had a, a strong relationship with, with a lot of our patients at that time. Um, so then I decided, well, I need to build these relationships with the nurses, right? They have to know to trust me. They have to know that I'm I'm here to advocate for everybody the best I can. And so I had to build a trusting relationship. And one of the things I found first and foremost was them understanding hematology and benign hematology and how sickle cell disease falls into that category, then therefore therefore falls under um, an oncology institution, um, and I never thought of that in the beginning. So now I am very biased. I think they love me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, when I come down, I'm like, it was work. I, I'll be honest. Um, it was work. I had amazing support, amazing support. I Yeah, I had a lot of people uh, cheering for me, and with a lot of work together, you know, with management. Um, I have a strong relation with the management team, inpatient and outpatient. Now, most sickle cell patients, the larger portion of sickle cell patients are seen in an outpatient clinic. So I, uh, I work very well with the um, manager at the clinic as well, and there's a strong relationship. You really need to help make a difference. But um, one of the other things in practice is, so with nursing charting, that's huge. So um, getting the nurses to understand how they chart the pain medication so the team will know exactly how much medication the patient has has had so they can uh, gear their care on, you know, what, what they, how they need to wean, wean the patient's pain medication doses in order to get them safely home and manage their pain. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah they they see me now and they know I don't even have to say anything. They smile and say, okay, I know what you're looking for. 
So, uh, <laughs> and they cut. And another big thing they do too is um, they're very. I, I feel you know, last couple of years has been hard on everybody, but some of the most proud things I am as well when it comes to nurse engagement. And I really felt like if I never have another success in my career, this is my success. Is you know, them come to me and they'll go, well, we want to do something at a national conference. So. At the gene, well, most oncology institution is called ONS, Oncology Society, and the nurses, it's big for them. Like, they want to go, and they want to present posters, and they want to um, do do things like that to represent the patients that they care for. So I've had, um, it was about 2018, one of the nurses at the time, she worked in a sickle cell clinic, and she did a dental care education. I mentored her. So what I do is, is, um, I show her how to make a poster. I show her how to collect data. She did um, surveys on about 50 patients to see if they had dental care, if they understood about their dental care, if they knew dental care resources. So she did a survey. Nurses, we love surveys. They're quick and easy. <laughs> and then um, she did education with the patients and gave them resources on dental resources. So she took all that information and she put it in a poster and she went to uh, Congress with that. And then new nurse residents, there's some of my favorite people too. Kids are new and fresh and they're excited like me. They are required uh, or were required before uh, COVID. They were required to do a what's called an evidence-based practice project. And I would say at least every year for the last five years, at least one group did something sickle cell related. And the last group did sickle cell disease and pain management on um, PCA pumps, um, patient allergy control pumps. So I can confidently say over the years they have become engaged. And I'm very proud of them. What I'd like to know, you said that you worked in oncology mm-hmm. and you work with sickle cell patients. Mm-hmm. Have you dealt with any sickle cell patients that were, you know, that's suffering from sickle cell and also cancer? Yes, I have. And what I'm I'm trying to understand, like a sickle cell patient is already suffering. And right. with cancer, that's a whole nother different ballgame. Yeah. How does this sickle cell patient deal with having, you know, the disease that they already have and then on top of that, you know, cancer? Yeah, it's. It's challenging. We we do our best to provide them with the you know resources that you know they there's a quite a bit of resources for different um, oncology. I'm trying to think. I'm trying not to make sure I give any information away. But one particular person I'm thinking of. Yes, there were oncology resources available to this person to help them through managing a chronic illness, and then on top of that, and managing oncology managing their cancer as well. It's challenging. Uh, but one set thing, um, I will say sickle cell patients inspire me. Uh, they inspire me every day. It's the, the resilience that they have and the determination that they have. Yes, they really give me a lot of energy to to do what I do. And it is sad to see someone with a chronic disease like that and then have multiple other problems as well. And then as the patients get older, the disease as it progresses, can cause other complications on top of all that. It makes it just makes you wonder sometimes, like, how could one person endure so much at one time? Thanks for answering that for me. How close do you think we are to finding a cure for sickle cell? 
Um, that's a good question, and I wish I had the perfect answer for you because I've been to a lot of conferences. Um, it was about three years ago I went to a sickle cell summit out in Washington. Of course, at that time they were talking about gene therapy and a lot, you know, that you know, they really felt that, you know, things were close, but then, you know, we're still not there yet, right? Three years later, still don't feel like we're any further than we were at the conference at, uh, at the time. So I think that there is a lot going on to getting that answer. There's things out there. There's just doing the pro- following the proper procedures and protocol to, to make sure it's safe and to get in and to get things done. But right now, the only possible cure, you know, is of course bone marrow uh, transplant and right. um, that, that you know, there's complications on that. But I follow a lot of. Um, different things on uh, social media. So I was following a patient um, that uh, is, was in a trial for uh, gene tra- for uh, gene therapy in Georgia, and, you know, he, he's been doing well for the last, I think, a little over a year. So I pray, I hope, like with everybody else, I, I think there's a lot of effort into finding an answer to that question. Kathy, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners before we get ready to sign off? Thank you for listening and uh, letting me be a part of the radio show. And, yeah, if you guys have any questions or if there's anything I can do, I've been involved also with uh, Police for Community Resources. We, I know I'm sure we'll have one before August, but we have one at Uplift Her in August. Um, mm-hmm. So my, my big drive for that is all the community outreach programs that the James are uh having, I'm just making sure that there's a sickle cell table and Felice is beside me. But um, thank you guys for all you do for sickle cell disease. Ernie, we have a blast. We and her, you can see what type of personality she has. I feed off of her and she feeds off of me. We have a blast. Thank you guys for having me. This was fun. Uh, Yeah. And you gave us a lot of information. So we just know that, I mean, that you're really trying to take that initiative to ensuring that nurses are understanding about how to care for sickle cell patients. So I appreciate that. Like Ernie said, you're with all these other organizations that deal with sickle cell. So you can tell that it's something that you're very passionate about. And Ernie, I said, when she gets passionate, she will throw you over. Oh, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I haven't done this one for a couple of years because of COVID, but I went out to a uh, flying horse farm out mm-hmm. in, um, oh, it's past Medina, Mansfield, I think. Oh, that was one of my favorite things. Every summer I would go out there and, yeah, I would go during sickle cell week and do breathing exercises and aromatherapy and guided imagery and fun stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I do quite a bit outside my role as well. But having the skills within my role helps me. The Faith Thomas Foundation is going to throw some dates out there to you, and hopefully you can attend some okay. of the events that we're going to have. Yeah, okay, I'd be happy to. I would love to have you there, yeah. Working right yes, next I to Ernie. Yes, I would love to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kathy, it has been a pleasure having you on Thank our show. You. I am so blessed to have you as a friend uh, with oh, so much knowledge. I just wanted to say that it's, it's good to hear that they're having a, a team approach, you know, addressing the sickle cell patients that come up there 
because I know that's a big thing with OSU as far as, yeah. you know, treating cancer patients. So uh, and I was, you know, just refreshing to hear that, you know, nurses are uh, accepting your input and uh, treating patients, and it's not, you know, they're not just being real proud and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I'm I'm so lucky to be surrounded by the people I'm surrounded by every day. We have an amazing team, amazing, amazing team that's very dedicated, and I'm very blessed to have them in my life. Well, thank you, Ernie, and thank you, Kathy. This is Felicia, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas FDN.